Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have Barith Kumar, Executive Creative Director of Vast New York, as a guest. Welcome, Barith. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me, Rupert. Uh, great to be here. So, so just jumping in, Barith, uh, tell us a little about your background and career before Havas, New York. Um, yeah, I, I guess the question is, uh, how far do you want me to go back? Do you want the long story or the short story? As far as you want to go back. <laughs> where are you from? You know, where you grew up, how you got into advertising, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was raised in Jacksonville, Florida. And... Um, you know, when I was about seven years old, I wrote my first script. It was for a fictitious product at my dad's company. And um, I wrote a script for a TV album. And he was kind enough and encouraging enough to humor me and share that with some of his marketing colleagues. He is not a marketer by trade by any means. And uh, those people were equally generous to write on some letterhead. Uh, this is the kind of creativity we look for in our agency partners. Um, so keep it up, keep doing what you're doing. And if this type of creativity is the stuff you're interested in, uh, you might have a career ahead of you, um, which at seven, you know, didn't really mean much in terms of career prospect, but definitely kind of struck a chord with me. Um, and advertising is something that I kind of kept going back to in the writing period, but especially um, I did a number of internships and in agencies, you know, boutique agencies in Florida, um, as well as, a, a, you know, a, an agency, um, in Tokyo at McCann Erickson, I had an internship there. And um, through high school and college, I, I kept going back to it. And I asked one of the, the people at McCann Erickson Tokyo, how do you do what you do more creative? And, and I just had no idea. And um, they said, oh, if you have a liberal arts degree, you're covered. Um, and I naively, maybe even idiotically, took that as gospel and uh, just kind of went with that. So I graduated college with a, a, history in, uh, a degree in history. And... Um, decided to apply for some agencies and I, I couldn't get a, a job there as a creative. And that's when I started learning about portfolio schools and stuff. Um, but I got my first uh, job in the industry at BBH New York as an uh, assistant account person. I did the job for about four years as an account person. Um, and the good news was I loved um, the industry. I just didn't care for my role within it. So I quit, went back to portfolio school. Um, and I came out as a junior copywriter around 30 uh, with my first dig at uh, TBWH I did in New York. Fast forward with a few stalls along the way, and now I'm at Havas, um, and, I'm, and I'm loving it. I've been here for about two and a half years. Wonderful. Um, so speaking of your experience in the agency world, what sets Havas New York apart? Um, yeah, I, th I think there, there are kind of a few things there. Um, on, a, on a macro level, um, Havas New York, uh, I believe a year and a half ago, uh, was the first one in the U.S. to attain B Corp status. Um, so there's kind of an emphasis on the environmental and the social impact um, on everything we do, both internally and what we can actually deliver for clients uh, across our, our um, roster of brands. Um, so that perspective in and of itself is, is I think, different. Um, I think it also kind of informs some of the pro bono work we've done to date, how we kind of treat, um, you know, proactive work for our existing clients. Um, and how social and environmental issues um, kind of help round out or even in some cases shape the work itself. So th that's, that's one big thing I, th I think that's really different. And 
if, if you were to drill down a bit further, uh, we have Charlie, which is a mentorship program that my partner, Marcelo Ramirez, and I started with Dan Lucy, uh, the chief creative officer, and, and, my, and our boss, Matt Havas. And it is named after uh, Charles Havas, who was the, the founder of the, I guess, the media empire at the time in publishing. And he was a young, enterprising guy. And it's basically a mentorship program for junior level, one up to ACD level creative talent. And giving them a chance to work on live briefs that are maybe different from the accounts that they're actually assigned to. Um, so there is a sense of um, creative freshness. Um, so you don't necessarily atrophy or or get associated with one specific tone of voice or look and feel. Um, it also allows for most creative to learn from, work with different creatives across the agency as well as senior level creatives. And kind of give them tips and tricks of the trade, like and and, and a shot at making work um, that is different from maybe what the I would say nine to five. I don't think any of us have a nine to five job, but let's say the nine to seven uh, job, if you will. Um, so that's that's super rewarding, um, and we try and mentor them as best we can, and that I think is equal parts what we've learned to date and how we can kind of pay it forward, and you know maybe things that they don't like that we approach, and I think that's equally important, right? What you don't want to do or what you don't want to emulate. So um, there's that. And then I think Dan Lucy is, is the other part. He's a, he's a smart, talented dude. Um, and he's demanding yet empathetic, which is, I think, a huge, huge and um, awesome trait. Um, and he's willing to roll up his things to, to work with us on understanding a challenge or a problem, helping solve it, or, you know, um, maybe even just, you know, lending in the air. Right or giving us the resources to help solve it if it's if it's not something that he has the time or not necessarily the 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 ability to do right in there. Um, so so that goes a long way. And then I, th- I think the team that we're on, right? I, I run uh, New York Presbyterian with my partner, and um, we got a great crew. We, we love our creative team on it. But I think beyond that, across disciplines, everyone is kind of rowing in the same direction, which I wish you could say about a lot of agencies, but it doesn't necessarily happen. I think that is a team by team dynamic. It's, it's not an indictment of agencies. Um, but you know, you've got great account people, ops, strategy, production, um, and they make the work that are much more enjoyable and rewarding. Um, and they care about everything that goes on within the four walls of the Voss and our partner, um, New York Presbyterian, just as much as what we actually generate and get outside of those four walls. Um, which is which is pretty critical. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit about New York Presbyterian. Is that your client? That is, that is that is my main client. Um, we've been working with them for two plus years now, or almost two years, I should say. Helped develop the their new brand platform, which is called Stay Amazing. Wonderful. So tell us what, what's your definition of purpose? I mean, that's one of the obviously this is a a broad topic, <laughs> and many people have d- different definitions of purpose. What's what's New York Presbyterian's purpose? Ready to heal people, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right. Uh, that's, which is a pretty uh, significant and noble one at, at that. Um, I, I think my definition of purpose, and I can get into the the NYP version of it, is I think just standing for something and having the conviction to do something about it. And I don't think purpose necessarily has to manifest itself as something you do day in and day out. It, it should hopefully be in the recess of your brain in terms of how you can inform the work and do something that has like a a meaningful impact for both brand, the od- the audience, and the world at large. Um, but I, I I think that's 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 how I would define it, right? Um, and again, we can talk about social, environmental, financial, you know, wh- whatever it might be. I think planting a stake in the ground and and, and actually really 
holding to that firmly and doing whatever you can to back your words, I think is what purpose is. Um, I'd say that there's a lot of purpose stuff that has gotten a bit more lip servicey. Um, and you know, how do you, how do you make sure you're not doing the lip service version of it? You are actually, um, you know, there is proof in the pudding, so to speak. And then I think with New York Presbyterian, uh, it's like you said, Rupert, it's, they're saving lives. They're helping people, right. For the greater New York area. Um, I think the fact that it is a nonprofit organization, um, inherently makes it a purpose oriented organization. Um, you know, and they've, they've got, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things where they've got world-class doctors, um, and they're providing expert, um, compassionate care to the, to the greater New York area um, across a wide stream of, I guess we call them service lines, right? Whether that's, you know, cardiology or oncology or orthopedics, but the breadth and depth at which they do it um, and trying to get people healthy and stay healthy, you know, or in our, in our words, stay amazing, is I think what's most remarkable about them. And they practice what they preach in pretty much anything and everything that they do, which is, um, which is inspiring, um, to say the least. And do, do they specialize in a particular thing, like you know, oncology or? They are specialists in a lot of things. I, I, I would, I would be remiss just to say it's one thing, right? Um, you know, not only in terms of uh, the doctors that they have. You know, I, I think it's the only institution, if I'm not mistaken, that has two um, preeminent academic institutions that are funneling the pipeline of talent there, right? In terms of the doctors uh, in Wild Cornell and Columbia. And then you also have the fact that it's not just the care and the, you know, the diagnostic and the actual treatment or the surgical, uh, you know, um, aptitude that they have and expertise that they have. It's also, what are they doing in terms of the forefront of research and innovating new practices and getting there? So their expertise is pretty wide and it's also very deep. Um, I'm not going to go beyond that because I don't want to misstate things, but I think they were probably known more as like a as a heart hospital um, is is kind of where where their kind where their heads would be. I think. Well, that's still the biggest disease, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that, yeah, um, it's a sad state of affairs. I think that the biggest disease keeps changing um, as well in terms of what is the, what are the contributing factors to it. But yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's it's up there for sure. So um, so circling back to purpose, what brands have you worked with which uh, that led with purpose in their marketing? Yeah, so a few years ago we were at. Um, momentum and we got a nike brief and the, the the brief effectively was there's an increase in in gun violence in chicago specifically inner city chicago and as a result parents guardians they didn't want their kids like you know elementary middle school high schoolers staying late after school or coming in like as the sun was coming down um and playing basketball in the streets which was a pretty striking um, situation because for a long time, you, know, you, you think about the Bulls, you think about Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Chicago was the Mecca for basketball. And he, here it is due to violence that, you know, kids couldn't go out there and play, um, you know, or, or, you know, even just have that sense of community. And so their brief to us was how do we restore faith and community and in, in, through the sport of basketball? And, um, you know, we, we looked at that and, and what we thought of was what if we were to take a, condemned church, restore it, and actually make it a safe space for these kids to play basketball, learn the game, learn about themselves, learn about their their peers, their community um, through the sport, um, and, and, and give them that safe haven for a summer uh, to play the game. And so right from the get-go, from the very brief, it was really all about, like, what can we do here to help out this community? 
uh, which was pretty pretty amazing. Um, and so we we for a silver we took over that dilapidated church, if you will. We made it safe, uh, both figuratively and literally. Um, and we from the stained get the stained glass windows to confessional booths to everything was kind of basketball themed. And we had you know um, NBA WNBA. Um, you know, NCAA figures and coaches and former players and active players come in and serve as guest lecturers, guest trainers and coaches throughout that summer to help these kids out and, and give them a, a, a place to kind of feel safe and play, play the game that they love. Wonderful. Has a brand ever had a marketing goal that you didn't expect? Did it pay off? I think that Nike one is, is, is pretty clear, right? It's from the brief itself. It was abundantly obvious that there, there was some good to be done here. And it was interesting. It, it kind of reminds me, um, and we talk about this example a lot with um, the client that we had on that, the Nike client. We're in the middle of creative development. We were talking about all these amazing things we could do in terms of the stained glass windows, the pews, like, you know, what is the look of it? And we, we kind of creatively geeked out on the aesthetic of it. And our, our client refreshingly and rightfully so said, um, hey, I have no doubts that you're going to get this to look beautiful. The craft of it, the design, the aesthetic, everything is going to be amazing, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that it's not just about the press headlines. It's that we are doing something to benefit these kids who are going to be in attendance. Um, and so it has to be meaningful to them. It has to be what we promised them. It has to be that safe space. And the craft design and all that stuff will follow. The, the, the PR headlines will follow. But let's program this in such a way that it does have a direct impact on them and makes them feel like their summer is well worth it. That was that was awesome, right? Like you don't, I, I, you know, I think they're the the candor with which that was leveled at us, right? And just thinking about the programming for the kids and making this that that what we promised to save space was super refreshing and and kind of poignant, which which just sticks with me. How does your work at New York Presbyterian help shape their purpose? So I think earlier I mentioned, you know, it, it's, a, it's a nonprofit organization, so it's inherently rooted in, in purpose in that sense, right? Um, and then when we won the business almost two years ago, we worked with them to help launch the next iteration of their brat, next iteration of their brand platform, um, which we called Stay Amazing. And I, I think the whole idea there is how do we kind of take real life stories of New Yorkers and help show how they overcome illness courtesy of the expert diagnostics and diagnosis and care that New York Presbyterian offers, and then showing showing them like thrive post treatment. That, that was kind of big for us. So um, every patient story we've done, I think, um, I think we've done six patient stories to date. You know, um, you know, uh, along with the larger brand level work, um, it, it's really about showing how a patient is doing well before this medical issue kind of befalls them, seeking help. New York Presbyterian, fi- identifying what that issue or cause is, following the doctor's plan, and then showing them thriving post-plan and post-treatment, um, kind of living their element, right? Um, and how how the the hospital system was there to truly care and truly care for them, and that in and of itself is pretty amazing. Um, that's what we kind of want to tell. Um, so to to me, that's that's the way it's been shaped. It's like the authenticity of the the patients that we're, we're showcasing. Um, and kind of finding this nice intersection of medical story meets the human interest story of these real people and how together, uh, the brand has helped them kind of, um, you know, come out flourishing is, is, is really, I think where the purpose comes in. Wonderful. So can you tell us about a recent Havas New York campaign that you're proud of or 
one that you've seen that, you, that you, your teams have done? I, I think there's a number, right? It's um, the, the same amazing work, super proud of. I, I'm in it day in, day in and day out. So I come by that bias, honestly, I think. Um, the other I would say is um, we did some pro bono work for the Ali Fournay Center um, a couple of years ago. And the Ali Fournay Center is um, they're, they're a nonprofit organization as well. And their mission is to raise awareness and funds for homeless LGBTQ plus youths. And how do you bring them both into the system? How do you give them the medical care and maybe even the pro- professional training and help to kind of um, help put them on their, uh, set them on their feet and, and be able to live their lives fully. Um, and as we were going about that, that work, we found that 40% of homeless of the homeless youth population identifies as LGBTQ plus uh, which is just a sag- staggering, staggering number. And so we decided to partner the Ali Fournay Center with New York Magazine, and we basically took over 40% of their ad space within that within an issue. And I think the total around 27, 28 pages that memory serves. And um, the goal was make each one of those ads a chance for people to donate directly to the Ali Fournay Center and help raise awareness for, for this kind of... Um, issue um and i think we did i think we i think you know i don't have the exact stats on me but i think year over year they were able to take in many more homeless youths into the shelter and help kind of put them back on their feet which is um which is really kind of uh taking a gut-punching issue if you will and and making it a little bit in the life um and then i think to what i said earlier like with with havas like you look at you know the what our friends are doing on wreck it you know, and, and, and other accounts and like some of the pro bono stuff that hasn't kind of come out yet. So I won't, I won't speak to that, but there, there, there really is kind of a vested interest across all disciplines and all levels to do some good. Um, and I'm really proud just to kind of be witness to it. Um, especially if I'm not necessarily a part of the work, like, you know, what they're doing in terms of trying to save water for record and stuff like that is, is once again, it's the kind of stuff you get jealous about. And I think that kind of fuels you to be hopefully a better creative and kind of raise the bar there. Wonderful. So how does Havas New York balance short-term needs with long-term brand building? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, and, I, and, I, and hopefully I, I, hopefully I answer it right. And in a, it, and I think I'm going to answer it in a pretty commonsensical way here, but I think the, I think showing your clients that you care about their short-term needs, building trust with them. I think at the end of the day, it's all about trust. Um, will allow you to tackle some of the longer term and the bigger bets that both the brand and the agency might have uh, for that client. So to me, one begets the other. Um, and it's really about how you can help show them the, show the client and the, the brand that you can tackle whatever their immediate business objective or problem or challenge might be, address it, um, and kind of do that show that do on a repeated basis and along the way learn what's what is happening on the client's end right what are some of the you know financial or business or political challenges they might have and be an hopefully enabling willing partner for them and have those honest conversations that allow you to kind of take on the bigger longer term projects that you know are mutually beneficial to all parties wonderful so, so why is brand purpose important for recruiting and uh, retaining talent, both at agencies and at brands? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I think about this a lot, um, and I, I think you've seen a lot of agencies speak to some of these stats that the audience or consumers might have that 
you know, they, they're more want to work or engage or consume a brand that does good in the world. Those that don't are easily forgotten. Um, and they're not the ones that they seek out. Uh, so that, that I think applies from a consumer side. And I think us being consumers that agencies or on, on, on the brand side, that is very much applicable to us too. So the, the ability to kind of identify or gauge BS or people doing the lip service or not actually practicing what they're pre- they preach is, I think, pretty big. And I think that really does kind of stem to recruiting and retaining because I, I, I think whether it's my generation or the generation um, after me, it's, it's one of these things where I think people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, I think they want to do good in the world. I think they want to make meaningful work. And I think that's, that's, that's a really big draw. That doesn't mean that everything has to be super earnest or saccharine and doing good in the world. I think we've seen examples of people being a bit more lighthearted, being a bit more irreverent in terms of the tone to deliver on something that is actually quite significant or, or profound. Um, but I think having, ha- having that, that sense that there is something soulfully rewarding or enriching in doing something is, I think, a huge benefit to attracting people and hopefully the the folks that do want to come on board or that we do want to keep on board feel that and they're enjoying the process of, of coming up with work um, that delivers on that. Wonderful. So, uh, so, so in closing, what would be your advice for young professionals entering the workforce? Um, my, my team hears this a lot. Um, the, my, one of my biggest pet peeves is take notes. <laughs> uh, that's the one, one. I'll start right there and I'll, and I'll get into some um, other ones. But uh, taking notes. I, I think there's a there's a tendency these days for people to think maybe that they have photographic memories, but they're out of film. They don't remember it. Like you know, just hours after a meeting, or there's a follow up, or days later, they're like, "Wait, what happened?" Just write everything down. I think it helps you, whether it helps you commit it to memory or you can actually refer to it. Take notes. Um, I think sweating the details is another part of it, right? I, what I like about actually what I love about this industry is while we have. S- are very like um, established swim lanes. We can actually veer out of it when we when we need to or when we need to. And I think with that comes this this tendency of like this entrepreneurial spirit of I want to control what I can control. So from the work, knowing more about the industry, knowing more about the category, and I'm saying that for both advertising and for our our, our brands and our clients. Um, that's pretty critical, right? Uh, being a student of the game, so to speak, and knowing what the competition is doing, and then using that as a launch pad to come up with something different and novel uh, to create the compelling work that we want. Um, I think that's 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 pretty um, huge. Yeah, I don't know if that research happens as much as it should, right? Or, or or that auditing of what is going on out there, and I think it's just understanding that it's a volume game, right? It's a volume, the volume of energy you put into it, the volume of time you put into it, the volume in terms of the output, um, especially when you're a junior, I don't think you necessarily know what's a really good idea, right? You might think what you have is really great, but it's usually the 10th or the 100th idea that that's where a lot of the, you know, the gems of brilliance or the germs of brilliance actually kind of exist. Um, so how do you kind of take that in and dissuade them of this misconception that, creatives have like these epiphanies or lightning strike moments that happens, but it takes rigor and time and practice and muscle memory to get there. It just doesn't dawn on you one day that oh, I've got the next great idea. You got to really work at it to, to, to get there. Um, so th- those would be, and hopefully have fun. I know that sounds really cheesy. It, it, it's, it's a tough industry. Um, know that it's a tough industry. Know that you're going to put some time, hours and effort into it. You're going to lose a lot of ideas. They're going to get killed. 
don't take it personally. Um, try and be able to brush it off as much as you can. And, and hopefully you're working with some good, talented, smart, fun people who are able to allow you to enjoy that journey and that process along the way. Wonderful. So it's been great having you as a guest, Boris. Um, thank you very, very much for coming and, and joining us on the podcast. It's been very educational. Thank you, Rupert. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, and I'm a fan, so all, all the best to you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.